Kaylee, how are we half a dozen episodes into this podcast and we haven't talked about cars yet? Yeah, I know. You're, that's actually a really good point. Um, but I understand that we now have the question to tackle that. So who's our driver? Our driver is Aaron Wertheimer. He's a copywriter for a digital marketing agency, and he drives a Honda Civic around Costa Mesa. But after reading about how people are starting to drive more Teslas and how big oil companies are still spewing out fossil fuels, he's wondering... How much cutting back and driving can make a difference on climate change? Like, will my tiny little Honda Civic make a big difference? Oh, I am so excited that Aaron has given us an excuse to geek out about stats and easy alternatives to driving gas cars. I do love to geek out. Okay, so time for the car episode? Time for the car episode. From KCRW, this is the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast, your practical personal guide to protecting the planet. I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, environmental educator and CEO of Friends of the LA River. And I'm Kaylee Wells, KCRW's climate reporter. So if we're going to talk about how big a difference Aaron's driving habits make, we probably need to do some math. Right. So I called up a guy who does that for a living. Figured that's a good place to start. (laughs) Nick Molden is his name. He founded a company called Emissions Analytics, which does exactly what it says. They test vehicle emissions and air quality and pollution, Mm. and then they put all that data together. So they obviously care a lot about Aaron's question. And when you are moving around, your vehicle will be emitting about one pound of CO2 for every mile you drive. That's quite a lot. You you are creating that by burning that gasoline in your vehicle. Isn't this guy so much fun to listen to? So much fun. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't know how old Aaron's Honda Civic is. Mm -hmm. That does matter. If it's newer, it might not be quite that much gas that's getting emitted, Mm -hmm. but that's just sort of the average emissions for like an average passenger vehicle. Okay. And assuming his car is average, if he drives, say, 10,000 miles per year, that's 10,000 pounds of CO2. Right. Which is like really kind of a small slice of this huge amount, 13 trillion pounds the U.S. is releasing every year. Sure. But he's still adding up to the demand of fossil fuels. So ExxonMobil is still drilling up oil for him to use. Right. Exactly. And that's what Molden said. Ultimately, these multinationals don't produce, whether it's oil or gas or plastic, unless there's end demand. So driving your Honda Civic is creating demand. So without that, they might not do it. You can't totally separate those businesses that are trying to make things and sell them to you from your role in buying them and using them. And if we sort of divide this pie up a little bit differently, if you think about all of us driving our passenger cars around, it's actually a pretty big piece of the CO2 Mm -hmm. pie because Molden says the cars of people like Aaron collectively make about a twelfth of our total carbon emissions. So what do you do? Well, that's where choosing the best sort of car is probably the pragmatic thing you can do today. Well, or, you know, don't drive at all. Or don't drive the car, sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and there's plenty of folks who do that very successfully. Uh And just about any alternative way that at least I can think of of getting around is probably better for the planet. Walking is better. Biking Mm -hmm, is better. Trains, mm -hmm. buses. So, and there are millions and millions of people who in the U.S. aren't willing to do that. Mm -hmm, Or mm -hmm. they live in a place where maybe they have a job and it's just not practical to use that solution. Right. So this is where we kind of start talking about the kinds of cars you're buying, like an EV. 
Yeah, I mean, with an EV, maybe that's the right move, but not necessarily. So, for example, Aaron, he's living in California, mm-hmm. so a large chunk of the electricity that he's using is generated cleanly with things like wind and solar. And so, yeah, it's better for the planet for him to drive an EV. But if he's living in West Virginia, where almost 90% of the electricity generated there is generated by coal, mm. might not be better. Okay, well, that's a good point. Um, and. We know there's a carbon cost to make all of these materials that generate the vehicle itself as well. So if he's only driving 2,000 miles a year, it might not make sense to spend money on buying a brand new car just from a carbon perspective. Right, because there's all that carbon that goes into making it. Yeah, of right, course. Right. But for most people, you know, yeah, maybe maybe buy the EV. Um, and no matter what kind of driver you are, it's only beneficial for the planet for you to drive less. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're driving an EV or mm-hmm. a Honda Civic. Or an old Hummer from 2004. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Even in a best-case scenario where the electricity powering your EV is 100% clean, there's so many resources that went into making that car. Mm -hmm. And if you so you want it to last as long as possible so that you end up buying fewer cars over the course of your lifetime. Yeah. The one thing you can do is cut out the 10% of journeys that you don't have to do. You know, maybe going to the store that extra time or going to see... You know, a relative you don't like very much, whatever it is, you know, can you cut out 10% of journeys and just not do them? Yeah, we shared a car for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband would take the train to work and then I'd drive the other direction and I was doing a hybrid work schedule, so I was doing that three days a week. So hooray for one-car families. I know there are a lot in L.A. It's like this thing that we don't all talk about, but there are a lot of one-car families that are making it work. And then the other thing that's helping is telecommuting and hybrid work schedules or 100% remote work. Um, It makes a really big difference. And we want, you know, I know a lot of people want to continue working from home and uh, some people aren't aren't wanting that to continue happening. So this is like a a check in the in the good column for that. It's it helps the climate when people are working from home. Yep, I totally agree. And I'm also a, another plus one on the single car family because uh, mm-hmm. we we did that too. Yeah. Um, when I started working here, it became feasible for my husband and I to be able to bike to work. Mm. So we just have the one car, and it's sometimes there are days where it's not leaving the parking spot, Love it. and we in order to afford it, we sold his gas car. We both bought bikes and then we were able to afford the plug-in hybrid. So, Perfect. you know, even though we couldn't quite afford the EV yet, you're yeah. still, it's that it's that whole idea that we talked about in the previous episode of making imperfect steps That's to right. make it a little bit better. A little at a time. Yeah. So let's organize all of this math into some takeaways. Great. So, Aaron, does cutting back on driving your little Honda Civic make a difference? Yes. Every mile you don't drive saves a pound of CO2. Plus, you're reducing demand for fossil fuels, and the more that we do that, the less that those big oil companies are producing for you. And switching to a more fuel-efficient vehicle is better for the planet, and chances are it's even better to switch to an electric vehicle. But don't forget to check out how clean the electricity is in the state where you live. And no matter where you are, do what you can to reduce your mileage. So take fewer trips, Mm -hmm. consolidate the ones that you do take. And even better than both of those, if you've got the option to bike or scoot or bus there instead, give that a go. All right. Let me hear the good news this week. Yeah. Okay. So it is about fossil fuels. I'm actually really excited about this. You know how the major banks in the U.S. are like some of the biggest investors in Mm -hmm. fossil fuels? Well, the good news here is investment in green technology is increasing, and that includes 
banks. So banks are investing a lot, too, which is really important because by definition, they have a whole lot of money to invest. Yeah, that's great. So Bloomberg just released a bunch of data on this and their analysts have said, you know, if we're going to hit the world's aggressive climate change goals, we need to be investing four times as much in green energy as in fossil fuel Mm -hmm. energy. And three years ago, like we were not even close. Mm. Um, Banks were making twice as much money from fossil fuels as they were from green energy. Mm -hmm. But this year is shaping up to be the first year that that switches. Okay. Where they are earning more money from their investments in green energy than their investments in fossil fuel mm. energy. Mm-hmm. So this year so far the banks have made more than 2.2 billion dollars from fossil fuel investments doing things like financing projects and earning interest all that all the things that banks do. But they also made 2.5 billion from their green investments. So that's a pretty sharp turnaround in 3 years. Well, well, not the four to one ratio that we're looking for yet, but, sure. but a step in the right direction. And the public is asking for this um, and, and it looks like they're responding. People have been talking a lot about, does your bank invest in fossil fuels? Does your bank invest? And, and maybe this is a response to that. Banks definitely def- want to make more money. Um, it's nice if they can become profitable backing clean energy. Yeah. And it feels really good when you know that your savings account is investing more in the things that you want them to invest in. Nice. That's it this week on the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast. If you haven't, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. We've got a newsletter that will have our advice every week to go to your inbox, or you can ask us a question at kcrw.com slash climate. Whether you're ready or not, the holiday season has arrived. So next week, we're going to help you through the seasonal dilemma. How can I provide gifts and fun holiday excitement for my family that doesn't involve so much packaging and waste? I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, an environmental educator and CEO at Friends of the L.A. River. I'm Kaylee Wells. I'm our climate reporter at KCRW. Our executive producer is Sonia Geis. Our production assistant is Celine Mendiola. Technical director is John Meek. And our music is by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. The Anti-Dread Climate Podcast is a KCRW production. Thank you.